Greetings, everyone, those who have returned for, uh, for, for both sessions and those who are new to this session. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting and uh, important session. Uh, as uh, many of you know, a lot of the determinations that govern our lives in the legal context today, or that affect our lives, come out of not uh, congressional hearings, not out of court decisions, but out of uh, what we roughly call the administrative or executive branches of government. They come in many forms. And administrative proceedings are therefore very common and very important. And we have, fortunately, uh, to speak to us today, a member of ABIA who has achieved great distinction uh, in matters of administrative law, both within and outside the minus community, who's going to talk to us about some of the uh, issues, uh, accessibility and otherwise, uh, that he has encountered and that others encounter uh, in these kinds of proceedings. So without further ado, and with much appreciation, for his participation, I turn it over to Avia member Chris Prentice. Thank you very much, Steve. And um, just as a side note, I am uh, an assistant general counsel with the Texas Workforce Commission in Texas. I have been with uh, in the general counsel's office at TWC since September of 2016. And prior to that, I was an assistant general counsel with the Department of Assistive and Rehabilitative Services. Uh, both agencies do contain the uh, DARS was the former uh, housing agency for rehabilitation services. Uh, that agency was uh, sunsetted by our legislature in their infinite lack of wisdom, and those services were transferred to the Texas Workforce Commission. So uh, rehabilitation services is a division within the, the TWC umbrella. And um, so what I'm going to talk about today is Title II of the ADA as it applies to administrative hearings, the administrative hearing process. And I will tell you that I, I made this presentation to uh, a group at the Austin Bar Association uh, about a week before uh, the, the COVID shutdown affected all the businesses everywhere. And um, so this is a totally different audience. So I'm going to cater this a little bit different. Um, Let's first of all talk about what an administrative hearing is and where you might encounter those. Um, some most familiar to people that are in uh, vocational rehab would be uh, the appellate process. If you don't like a decision that's been made by a VR counselor, you have the right to a hearing before an impartial hearings officer. Those are administrative hearings that are, uh, depending on what state you're in, some states have have uh, individually contracted IHOs or in, impartial hearing officers. Some refer it to their state uh, office of administrative hearings. Others uh, have different uh, different processes where they where they those and where they refer to those uh, where they refer those and where they're heard. Um, other administrative hearings, if if you are or if someone is involved in the Randolph Shepherd program in their state and they file a grievance, they're entitled to a full evidentiary hearing if they request one uh, in disputes with the state licensing agency. So that would be an administrative hearing. If, uh, if you have a license uh, issued by your state for uh, anything from cosmetology to plumbing, electrician, heating and air conditioning, anything, any kind of occupational license as well as uh, some other types of licenses, um, even uh, uh, licensed massage therapists, those kind of people, um, 
if the enforcement agency that issues those licenses finds uh, if if people call in complaints against you uh, and they send you a notice of violation uh, you would uh, if you choose to contest that hearing in, within that realm would be an administrative hearing before an administrative law judge or uh, an impartial hearing officer depending on how how that's set up in your particular state um, if you have uh, an issue with like the Alcoholic Beverage Commission or whoever uh, licenses the sale of alcohol and uh, uh, you have an issue with your license, uh, any kind of hearing out of that would be an administrative hearing. Uh, down to local local and uh, county and district governments, like if, if you contest if you contest your the property valuation by the appraisal district, uh, you could be in an administrative hearing there. Um, that would ap apply. And a lot of times those are a little bit different. They don't generally go to an actual hearing officer. They usually go to a panel of trained um, citizens that are trained to hear uh, property valuation contests. Um, also, if, if you uh, have a zoning issue uh, with the city and uh, you might go before the planning and zoning committee uh, commission or the zoning board of adjustment. Those kind of hearings, those are administrative hearings as well. They may be before a commission or a, a designated officer to hear those and make those decisions. These are all different types of administrative hearings and uh, administrative hearings do not have, they do not have a, uh, they do not have a jury there's no entitlement to a jury. There's no entitlement to uh, have someone pay for legal counsel. Uh, these are all civil type uh, hearings. They're not criminal hearings. And uh, so punishment can be things like, a, a, it could be a fine or well, it's not really a fine. They call it an administrative penalty. It could be a, a revocation or suspension uh, of your of your license, if it's over some sort of license that you've been granted, uh, it could be uh, if it's if it has to do with uh, your VR or or Randolph Shepard, it could be a decision based on uh, you know what services you're entitled to or not entitled to. Uh, so there's a varying amount of things that can be decided in administrative hearings. Now. Uh, some of these would have been covered under the Rehabilitation Act of 73, but only if the entity that was holding these hearings was receiving uh, federal government funds. So when the ADA was passed, and of course we're coming up on the 30th birthday of the ADA this month on July 26th, that's just three weeks from today, um, Title II of the of the ADA extended the coverage that was set out in section 504 to any and all public entities, which are uh, entities of state and local government. And that also includes uh, commuter authorities like the transportation authority within your, within your city, the uh, Metro access or the uh, paratransit services or the fixed route services, those kind of things, any, anything that they have, any proceedings that they have, um, those things would be covered by Title II as well. Now, when you talk about when you talk about coverage and entitlement, 
Under Title II, it's not technically accommodations, it's modifications to policies, practices, and procedures of, of the entity. Um, it, it, the only exception to that is that Title II extends the coverage of the employment provisions of the ADA under Title I, and in that vein, then you're talking about reasonable accommodations for, for employment. So those are, uh, so that's, it's kind of a, it's a distinction without a difference really uh, between modifications and accommodations. It's, it's basically the same thing. So um, the easiest way, I guess, to explain this would be um, any, any services or proceedings or anything that, that the state or local government entity has, has going, they have to make modifications. So let's say, let's say Billy is in a wheelchair and Billy's got a hearing before the, uh, the city uh, zoning committee because he wants to, he wants to build a carport on his, uh, onto his house and, and the zoning restrictions say that you can't do that without, without getting a variance from the city. But um, the city, uh, their, their meeting room is upstairs in city hall and there's no elevator. So uh, in order to make modifications to their policies and practices and procedures, they have to, uh, what they would have to do in that particular situation is move the meeting. They don't have to, the city or the county or the state, every facility does not have to be accessible, but every, every program, service, or activity has to be accessible. So if you're going to be having public meetings or hearings or anything else of that nature, then it's necessary that, that you have those in a location where everyone can access it. And so they, the city would re, re, be required to move that hearing to a, either a building that has elevators or to a, a single story structure that, that has accessibility for someone in a wheelchair. So, so Billy could attend his, his hearing. So that's, that's kind of the way that works. Now, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, um, uh, a VR appeal hearing, and, and I've participated in several of these as the representative for the for the state agency. If there are attorneys on the other side, then I represent the agency. So, if, for example, this is very apropos to our our group here, if if you as the VR customer, uh, I realize that in Texas we call them customers, other states your consumers, your clients, your whatever the name, the, the flavor of the day is, uh, you filed an appeal. Well, uh, you, want, you want to be able, you're entitled to your entire file, but you can't read print. So uh, you can request, as, as the individual, you can request of the, of the uh, hearings coordinator to receive your file in an accessible format. Now, if, if you... Uh, are a, a good computer user and you want it electronically, then you can ask that they provide that to you electronically in, in readable uh, PDF or Word or whatever. I mean, if it's, if it's in PDF, it needs to be readable. And so you ask that it be in a, in a format that is uh, accessible to your screen reader. Now, if you're 
not proficient in that, but and you're more of a Braille user, you can actually request that 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 uh, your file be provided to you in Braille. Now, because of the limited numbers of of transcribers and sometimes the lim the limited availability of of Braille printers, sometimes that may require your your hearing date to be extended out a little further because that that hearing period is pretty short. It's uh, normally uh, 45 days, so that would uh, that might necessitate getting a continuance to extend that out that time in order to get your file in Braille. But you are entitled to request that. Um, if if a person is deaf and they are in the uh, the hearing process, uh, they can request a sign language interpreter. However, not all not all individuals who are deaf are proficient in sign language. So the other one of the other available things that that can be requested is the uh, CARTS system, which is a computerized access uh, rapid translation system. And basically, what that is is you have a court reporter that's either present in the room or more often over on the telephone and they're listening to what is being said and there's a big screen put up in the hearing room and what everything that's being said in the hearing is being typed up by the court reporter in real time and it appears on the screen where uh, where the deaf individual and obviously anybody else that can see uh, can read it uh, directly on the screen uh, Real-time court reporting is, is, has become very common even in our court systems. Uh, a lot of the court reporters that are uh, transcribing uh, testimony and, and arguments and things in, in trials, a lot of times the, uh, nowadays the, the judge has a monitor up on, on the bench and they're, they're getting what's being said real-time on a screen in case they don't hear it exactly right they they can see what's being said and uh, that is that is becoming more and more common so that's not a it's it's not a cheap it's not a cheap alternative for the agency but if if a a deaf customer or consumer requests that that is that is one of the things that's available um, a lot of a lot of state agencies uh districts you know uh, taxing districts and Local governments, they're, they're not as familiar with uh, the ADA as they should be. Uh, one of the, uh, and they are not required to make any modifications unless, they're a, unless a request is, is given to them. Uh, I, I recommended in my prior presentation to uh, the Austin Bar that uh, it would be a good idea for, for the agency, if they're sending out a notice of alleged violation to um, to a citizen regarding, you know, something they might be entitled to hearing for, to put a notice within the notice that says if you require reasonable modifications to our policies, practices, uh, procedures in this process, uh, please make that request as, as you know, as uh, soon as possible so as to allow adequate time for those uh, provisions to be made. Uh, whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, I did do civil enforcement and had uh, administrative hearings for about three, three and a half years when I worked for the Department of Licensing and Regulation. And we, you know, I was regulating the, the cases that I was handling were primarily tow truck companies, um, 
and vehicle storage facilities and obviously uh, most most of them did not uh, uh, have any requirements that we didn't have too many blind uh, tow truck drivers so they, they weren't requesting their uh, information in, in uh, electronic format or in braille but um, uh, there are there are other other realms of uh, licensed licensed massage therapists I know there are a lot of blind and visually impaired massage therapists and they could make those requests in order to make those hearings uh, easier for them to, to understand and to follow. Um, the, uh, in order to assist uh, state and local governments with questions regarding uh, accommodations or modifications in, in their policies, practices, and procedures, uh, they did put together a tech, technical assistance manual, and that's that is available online at, um, uh, and I, uh, I can provide that in. If anybody wants a copy of my paper, it's got that, it's got that link in it. Um, and also uh, uh, you can go to uh, ada.gov. There's a lot of information regarding Title II there. Um, and uh, so it's, it's, it's widely encompassing for, uh, for all types of hearings. Uh, Personally, I had, I, I contested the appraisal of my, my home last year, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make any requests for uh, any accommodations. I went to a three-person three panel because, the, uh, uh, because the, the appraisal district over-appraised my, my house that I had just bought, and so uh, I, I had all my evidence, and, and basically it's a very informal process. There was someone there from the the appraisal district, myself, and then the three people. And we actually had these, they were having a lot of these hearings all at the same time. And they were in basically your, your, your regular sized uh, cubicle, like you'd see in a state agency. So it's, you know, very, very small and compact area, but um, uh, I didn't really encounter any difficulties as a, as a citizen with a visual impairment. I didn't really have any problem. I just handed over my evidence and told them what was going on. And, and, uh, they they voted right there on the spot uh, in my favor, so they the appraisal district was unhappy. So they've they jacked my my appraisal up again this year. So it looks like I'll be having another one of those contested hearings. So um, does anyone have any questions? I, this is a lot of information, but it's it's really not that it's really not that involved and complicated. It's it's really uh, very simple, and it just comes down to a case by case basis. No one size fits all situations with regard to uh, administrative hearings and reasonable modifications. And uh, so I would entertain any questions at this time. Randy, are there any hands up? Yes, there is one. Hang on. Uh, uh, phone number adding in a... Uh, Uh, 8106. Hi, Chris. This is Charles. Um, as I indicated previously, in California, we had a committee on, on com legal professionals with disabilities that put forth a court rule that established that any disabled person, be they witness, juror, litigant, or attorney would be entitled to um, you know, uh, some type of accommodation. 
And that has been on the books as a court rule since early 90s. And I know that my brother-in-law, who is hard of hearing, is entitled to have one of those court reporter uh, uh, screen things the card at system? each hearing he has. Pardon me? The cards system? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, that committee was disbanded in the mid-90s, so they haven't made any more progress on that. But that's that's uh, that was a, a time when, you know, the state bar had more money and was able to pay for those kinds of things. So, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up again. Charles, does, your, does the state bar in California, is that a mandatory bar or a voluntary bar? It's a mandatory bar. And they don't have money? I mean, y'all have got to have 200,000 lawyers out there. <laughs> we sure do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I guess just the impetus for having that kind of committee just died. So they have money, but, you know, the 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 the... the the will to have that committee died. Right. And, and that's good that there's a court rule because that formalizes it and it makes the, makes the process a lot easier. But uh, it, obviously, even in, in other states that don't have uh, the benefit of that type of court rule, they're still under the same mandate and requirement to make sure that their, the program, service, and activities, uh, including the administrative hearing process, are all... Um, uh, accessible. Um, you know, we have we have a lot of uh, telephone hearings. The, the in the uh, VR process are by telephone, and uh, if an individual is deaf, they can either access that by by Texas Relay or uh, or other. We we find ways to be able to accommodate them, and obviously, you know, we don't have any alternative on that, and so. Other agencies don't as well, but a lot of other agencies don't have the the knowledge base or the background to be able to handle those kind of things. Because they don't often come up in you don't want it other okay. agencies like they do in the VR. Talking a lot. Thank you, Charles. Yeah, question. they don't. They don't. They don't often come up because I did work as an administrative law judge for 24 years, and I had a couple of hearings with. Uh, the relay system for uh, hard of hearing people, and r not many for uh, visually impaired people. Yeah, that's Thanks, Charles. Other other questions, Randy? Yeah, Chris, a question. Yes, sir. Uh, Steve here, and this sort of follows up on what Charles has said, and I too have noticed over the years that accommodations uh, or or reasonable modifications for let alone even awareness of the specific uh, or individualized or needs uh, by individual impaired people in the court system, whether as attorneys or more particularly as litigants or, or, or witnesses, is very much less than those which we fortunately have gotten for others. And I think that raises two issues. And the one issue it raises for our community uh, is why is that so? Have we not done a good job in making our needs known? Or are we just too, uh, too non-numerous to have an impact? Uh, uh, what is the re what might be some of the reasons for that? And also, I've also noticed uh, that uh, lately the willingness of various administrative bodies and tribunals or organizations uh, to provide uh, modifications is based upon lists, uh, not necessarily 
official lists, but lists that they have compiled of what are appropriate accommodations in given kinds of cases, different circumstances, or with different disabilities. Uh, there's little willingness, and seems sometimes little capacity to really individualize beyond those. So what would be your thoughts on those points? Well, you know, I think probably um, as far as why, why it's gotten that way, uh, you know, technology has made a lot of advancements and a lot of times you'll see nowadays and whether it's an administrative hearing or if it's a, an actual judicial hearing, a lot of the evidence is presented electronically through PowerPoint presentations or, uh, you know, video slides and things like that. Um, and, and those things that that's, that stuff applies too. I mean, if, even if, if you're an attorney in one of those instances or you're a party, um, you're, you're entitled to, to get that information in a manner in which you can, you can utilize it instead of, well, well, can you see what's on the, up on the board? No, I really can't. <laughs> so uh, that information, I mean, there's, there's obviously several different ways that that can be taken care of. It could be provided in advance where you would have an opportunity to maybe review that with someone else, or you could have an assistant with you that would explain and you could ask for, uh, for a short recess to be able to review the information. Um, a lot of times in these situations, what, what is required is, is good self-advocacy by the person with a disability. And if they don't, if they don't, uh, and, and I think that's probably where we've, we've probably failed as, as much as anything is we have not taught um, and inbred self-advocacy deeply enough into into our community. We have a lot of people that just want to go along to get along. They don't want to tell people they're blind or visually impaired. They just want, well, I'll just kind of go through it. And, and that's, that's a lot of times that puts them at a distinct disadvantage simply because they've, they have refused to self-advocate in a manner which would enhance their ability to be successful. Well, thank you very much. That gives us uh, hopefully an opportunity to uh, to uh, help uh, better imbue those advocacy skills in people in the future. Randy, other questions? Uh, there do not appear to be any hands up. I uh, I want to want to thank uh, thank you, Steve, and and those of you in the audience for the opportunity to present this information. Uh, once again, if you want the, the paper that I've that I prepared for this is, is just a few pages long. If you want that, if you want to send me an email, I will be happy to forward it to you. Uh, my personal email is cprentice61, and that's c p r e n t i c e six one at att.net, and I'll be happy to send you a, a copy of the the paper that's. Got a few statutory references and a couple of links to one to the technical assistance manual and uh, to a couple of other fact sheets that are helpful with regard to Title II uh, issues as they as they relate to not only administrative hearings but any other Title II issues with regard to uh, you know any public entity. And, uh, Steve, thank, thank you, for, thank, thank you, Chris. I hope there are a number of people who will avail themselves of that opportunity. And certainly there are many, many other Title II issues that we could have asked you about if time permitted, and hopefully will in the future. 
So uh, in closing, man, I want to thank you again, Chris. I want to thank all of our attendees for joining us. I want to thank uh, Randy, our, our really excellent and patient uh, Zoom, Zoom room facilitator for his help. And uh, wish you all a very good rest of the conference and hope that uh, next year we can talk to you again all together in Phoenix.